Chapter 26 Human and Aesthetics, 1 Samuel 16, 14 23. Of Saul we may say, You were running well. Who hindered you? Galatians 5 7. He began well, but ended poorly. His first days and works were better than his last. So it was with Demas, the church of Ephesus, and the Jews, whose following Jehovah at first was misrepresented by their last apostasy. So it still is with souls, churches, nations, and ages. 1. Saul's Sin The root of everything was sin. This sin was simply disobedience to a command of God. He was told to kill Agag and his people. A cruel command, some would say, to which disobedience was better than obedience. But it was a divine command, whether the wisdom, justice, or mercy were visible or not. God had his reasons for it, and that was enough. Saul's sin was not misrule, oppression, nor wickedness, but simply disobedience to a command that some might call arbitrary, if not harsh and stern. God stresses obedience simple obedience, unreasoning obedience. His will must be done, for He is sovereign, and He is the only wise God. Saul's sin was the preference of his own will and wisdom to God's. Let our consciences be sensitive to this, and let us beware of acting on our own reasons, our own ideas of fitness, or doing our own will. To obey is better than sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15.22 2. The Consequences. The consequences are, first, his crown is taken from him, and he is rejected from being king, and second, Samuel leaves him, 1 Samuel 15.35. But the two special things mentioned here are these. A. The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, verse 14. I do not take up the question as to whether Saul was a true child of God. This passage does not determine the point. He might be so, and these words might be like Paul's, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme, 1 Timothy 1.20, and I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, 1 Corinthians 5.5. But certainly the spirit that departed from Saul was good, not evil. It was the reversal of what is said, God changed his heart. 1 Samuel 10.9. God gave him a heart for governing, which he now takes away. The good spirit is grieved and departs. Saul's last act of disobedience has quenched him. Saul is left without heavenly guidance. And B, an evil spirit from the Lord troubles him. He is not left alone, for as one spirit departs, another enters. He is troubled. His soul is now the abode of darkness and fear. He becomes moody and sad. He is vexed, perplexed, and despondent. This is the fruit of sin. He is troubled by an evil spirit. The clean spirit goes out, and the unclean spirit comes in, comes in to torment, sadden, and vex. And he is troubled by an evil spirit from the Lord. God lets Satan loose upon him. The unclean spirit returns with others more wicked than himself, and his last state is worse than his first. These words are very awful, so I will choose their punishments, Isaiah 66.4, and 
God will send upon them a deluding influence. 2 Thessalonians 2.11. Thus is his chastisement double, negative and positive, a departure of the good and the arrival of the evil. And this affliction is Jehovah's doing, not chance, disease, nor natural depression of spirits, but a visitation from God, judgment for disobedience, judicial punishment. 3. Human Contrivances Here is music, religious music, the music of the harp, the harp of David. This is soothing, but it doesn't reach the seat of the disease. It is something human, something external, something materialistic and earthly, something that man can originate and apply. It is effective to a certain extent. It drives away the evil spirit and restores temporary tranquility, thus possibly deceiving its victim. In like manner, we find the human spirit afflicted in every age, sometimes more and sometimes less, and in all such cases man steps in with his human and external contrivances. I do not refer to the grosser form of dispelling gloom, drunkenness and immorality in which men seek to drown their sense of need and make up for the absence of God. I refer to the refined contrivances, those of art, science, music, and merrymaking, by which men try to minister to a diseased mind. What is Romanism and ritualism but a repetition of Saul's minstrelsy? The soul needs soothing. It is vexed and fretted with the world. Its conscience is not at ease, and it is troubled and weary. It takes itself to forms, something for the eye and ear, to chants, garments, postures, performances, sweet sounds and fair sights, sentimental and pictorial religion, which is but a refined form of worldliness. By these the natural man is soothed, the spirit tranquilized. The man is brought to believe that a cure has been worked, because his gloom has been alleviated by these religious spectacles, these exhibitions that suit the unregenerate soul so well. They but drug the soul, filling it with a sort of religious delirium. They are human sedatives, not divine medicines. And four, the results. A partial and temporary cure resulted. It is said that the evil spirit departed, but not that the good spirit returned. Saul's trouble was alleviated, but not removed. The disease was still there. The results of David's harp were only superficial and negative. So it still is with the sinner. There are many outward applications that act like spiritual chloroform upon the soul. They soothe, calm, and please, but that's all. They do not reach below the surface nor touch the deep-seated malady within. Men try rites, sacraments, pictures, music, apparel, and the varied attractions of ecclesiastical ornament, but these leave the spirit unfilled and its wounds unhealed. They cannot regenerate, enliven, heal, or fill with the Holy Spirit. They may keep up the self-satisfaction and self-delusion of the soul, but that's all. They bring no true peace nor give rest to the weary. They do not fill, they merely hide our emptiness. Our age is full of such contrivances, literary and religious, all used for the purpose of soothing the troubled spirits of man. Excitement, merrymaking, 
balls, theatres, operas, concerts, ecclesiastical music, dresses, performances. What are all these but man's tools for casting out the evil spirit and healing the soul's hurt without having recourse to God's one remedy? These pleasant sights and sounds may take the prisoned soul and lap it in Elysium, as John Milton said, but what of that? They don't bring it nearer to God. They don't work repentance, produce faith, or fix the eye on the true cross. They leave the soul still without God and without reconciliation. The religion thus produced is hollow, erratic, superficial, and sentimental. It will not save nor sanctify. It may produce a sort of religious inebriation, but not that which God calls godliness, and not that which the apostles pointed out as a holy life, a walk with God.